Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Inside and Beyond podcast, and I'm your host, Natalia Fomichenko. Today, I'm excited to introduce my next guest, Alena Gisis. Alena is a certified hypnotherapist trained by the world-renowned Marisa Peer in her award-winning Rapid Transformational Therapy, or RTT, method. She also went through the Wayfinder coach training with Dr. Martha Beck, named one of the smartest women by Oprah. Through the power of hypnotherapy, mind reprogramming, and NLP tools, Olena works directly with the subconscious mind to help her clients overcome a number of challenges, including imposter syndrome, feelings of unworthiness and not good enoughness, procrastination, anxiety, addictions, and fears. Olena, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Me too. So let's start with the definition of hypnosis, what it is exactly and how it works on the brain. It's a great question and I love it because I think there's a lot of confusion between what is hypnosis and what is hypnotherapy. So I want to start by discerning between the two. So mm -hmm. hypnosis is a state and hypnotherapy is what is being done to you while you're in a state of hypnosis. So what is hypnosis? I know there's a lot of misconceptions and, you know, some woo-woo things that people think that hypnosis does to you and your brain and that hypnotherapists can take a full control of you while you're in a, hypno in state, in a state of hypnosis. But essentially what it is, it's a meditative state. It's a relaxation of the mind. So we operate from two minds conscious mind and subconscious mind. So in a state of hypnosis, what happens is our conscious mind relaxes and our subconscious mind comes to, um, to the driver's seat. And subconscious mind is where all of our memories, feelings, and beliefs reside from the past. And um, if you're familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks a lot about how by the age of 35, We essentially believe, become a set of those beliefs, habits that are established um, and our subconscious mind starts ruling our lives without us even knowing it. While only 5%, that conscious mind that um, we still control is what we think. We make the decisions, we think certain thoughts, but the, the reality is our thoughts often think us. <laughs> That's fascinating. And, uh, well, it's, uh, great to hear that, uh, apparently there is an access to this subconscious mind window. Mm -hmm. How does it help exactly? So what a person mm -hmm. who would be willing to do a hypnosis session, what sort of problems they face and how hypnosis can help them precisely? Mm -hmm. So going back a little bit to how it works. So we operate right now in a, our awake state in beta brainwaves. Yeah. So it's a faster brainwave frequency. So when we go into hypnosis, when our mind relaxes, we go into this alpha state or pre-sleep yeah. state. And so when we go into alpha and then even sometimes theta during during hypnosis, what happens is our brain, brain activity slows down and we become very suggestible. There is a term in hypnosis that's called suggestibility. 
And all it means is that we start justifying things with logic and we allow feelings to come up. And in this state, whatever beliefs we have, we are able to rewire, rewrite. We're able to offer alternative suggestions to our mind. Our mind is actually very, very simple. The way it works, Marissa Peer, who, who you've mentioned, she's brilliant and she, she has a few simple rules of the mind that essentially describe how our mind works and how it operates. Number one rule is our mind does exactly what it thinks we want it to do. So the power of simple suggestions, and it has nothing to do with uh, mantras or like positive reinforcements. It's an up-to-date direct communications with the mind. When we're able to separate ourselves from our mind and see that we're the master and the mind is the servant, and we're able to communicate with the mind. In our case, when the client is in a state of hypnosis and hypnotherapist is using therapy while someone in a state of hypnosis, what happens is communication with the mind. And it can help with anything. And that's another myth about hypnosis. I think there is a lot of Questions that I receive often is like, isn't it only for, you know, if you want to quit smoking or if you have a phobia of flying, hypnosis, just like any therapy, it can help with anything. In fact, my personal journey and story brought me to using hypnosis specifically for self-esteem, for confidence, for imposter syndrome, for perfectionism and all the issues that has to do with someone feeling like they're not good enough. It's a number one issue across the board that everybody can relate because in some areas of our life, we all feel like we're not good enough. That's for sure. That's for sure. So did it help you then? And what were the examples of suggestions that you've received during your sessions in order to overcome those challenges? Yeah, the whole reason I decided to uh, learn the tools and, and add hypnosis to my toolbox is it was life changing for me. And I remember actually my very first hypnotherapy session was a group session that we were in together yeah. <laughs> in Mexico. It didn't um, work with me though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember us talking about it after. And, you know, that first group session, it wasn't very impactful. I wouldn't say that it was, it, you know, it blew my mind. But I felt something that got me interested enough to then go and ask for a one-on-one -on -one session with a therapist. And that session blew my mind. I remember mm. that. Um, and I've tried a lot of healing modalities on my journey, like from mindfulness and meditation, simple tools like breathing and breath work to um, traditional therapy, um, behavioral therapy, gestalt therapy, to plant medicine. So I had a range of tools that I've already used by then. So hypnosis was, I was like, whatever, I'll try it. I'll try anything. <laughs> um, and then uh, I remember my first session, one-on-one -on -one session, it was a long session, it was over two hours. And I remember that I cried so much that I couldn't breathe, um, that, mm, that I had so wow. much, so much breakthrough, so much emotion came up that I couldn't breathe. I couldn't hear because I was laying down in that session and tears went to my ears and blocked my ears. And um, it was such a powerful experience that I remember coming out of that session, 
I made a decision that I need to learn the tools to be able to help people the exact same way because it rocked my world. <laughs> and uh, I was able to get to the root cause of certain things. Interesting. So it had lasting effects then for you? Absolutely. Yes. Marissa Peer method is not quite a traditional hypnotherapy. So that's RTT. RTT, rapid transformation. Rapid, it stands for rapid transformational therapy. So Marissa mm -hmm. Peer has been doing it for over 30 years. And I think she, she started as using more traditional hypnotherapy methods, Ericksonian hypnosis. And then she started adding her own tools and created her own method that is quite brilliant because what it does is it doesn't rely on just positive reinforcements like a lot of traditional therapy does. It actually customizes your journey, going to the root cause of the issue first, regressing you to the scenes from the past that uh, caused you to feel, believe, be a certain way today. And then um, this is actually where breakthroughs happen. And I recently um, shared a story of how I, for example, had a massive fear of being on camera, showing up, and I couldn't figure it out. And I know everybody has a fear of public speaking, or it's, it's a hardwired survival <laughs> fear that most people have. But in my case, it was just so visceral, like I, I couldn't figure it out. It was terrifying to me. And through hypnotherapy, I was able to discover the memory that was completely blocked by my subconscious mind from the age of uh, 15, where I fell mm. on stage in front of in the entire school oh, uh, wow. when they were giving us diplomas. And I fell and I remembered the smallest detail of that experience, like the texture of the floor I fell on and the, the laughter in the audience, which was quite painful. And right then and there, I made a decision that it's not safe to show up. It's not safe to speak up. It was even more painful because I even remembered how I was walking back to my seat and I was looking for that compassion from someone. And all I remember is seeing one of my family members doing a palm face, right? And oh, the no. shame, the shame was just so overwhelming paired with lack of support that I completely shut down and made a decision that, okay, this is not safe. Um, you course. know, if I, if I fall and fail, nobody will be there to support me. So that's the thing about our subconscious mind. It can block and suppress the memories. So how did this RTT method then helped you to get rid of the consequences to those memories? So I mm -hmm. understand that in hypnosis, you get to the different scenes. In this case, this um, unfortunate scene of yours. And what does the therapist do in order to free you from those conclusions and beliefs that were made mm -hmm. at that day? Yeah. So this is where I find Marissa Pierce's method different and quite brilliant. So what she does is she starts by investigating. So investigation is the first step, finding those scenes, making the client see and their subconscious mind dig out those memories. And then what we do is interpret. Then there's a number of 
tools I use to help the client actually see that, okay, so that wasn't me. It, it's not me. It's not mine. That voice is could be my mother's voice. Or a good example also would be someone who I was doing a session on recently who's been smoking for 30 years, made a connection at the age of four that smoking means love because her grandfather was smoking around her all the time. Mm. And he was the only family member who was giving her love. So once you see that connection, this is where the breakthrough happens. So it's very important to separate yourself from the trauma. And mm -hmm. I think this is where a lot of therapy methods fail because a lot of treatments are happening just based on positive reinforcements. But once you actually are able to see that, okay, so what happened to me, it's not my fault. You can uh, forgive, you can comfort that child. There's a lot of inner child work that happens after we discover what happened. And then you install new beliefs. So only after you understand what happened, you reframe it, you detach yourself from that scenario. Only then we do something that's called transformation and using client's own language that comes out during the session. I make something that's called a transformational recording that is about 15, 20 minutes long. There has to be a commitment from um, the client to listen to this recording for 21 days because another rule of the mind is that mind learns by repetition. So we yeah. can do so much in the session. Session is usually very potent and powerful and a lot can happen in terms of realizing the root cause of the certain issue. But then what must happen is the work after the session. Very often the, the healing can be accumulative. For some people it's retroactive and for some people it's immediate. So mm. um, in case of my patient, she who was smoking for 30 years, she immediately cut out smoking. And yes, sometimes mm. you have the urge, uh, but for some people you really have to listen and, and reinforce those, those things because we're thinking the same thoughts for years. <laughs> and then in one session, it can rock our world. And then we have to continue reinforcing the new belief system in order for it to really stay true. Certainly. It's super interesting and fascinating story of your client who quit smoking so fast. You mentioned the term positive reinforcement and in connection with most of the other methods use only positive reinforcement and the RTT method uses positive reinforcement, but only as a last stage of mm -hmm. the process. Could you tell us more what positive reinforcement means? Exactly. So that the listeners understand what we are talking about. Yeah, for sure. So a good example would be someone who thinks that they're not good enough. Like that's a common theme yeah. that everybody can relate to. And it can be not good enoughness related to pretty much anything in any area of life. Let's say relationship. Um, my energy is repelling. Like I, I'm not attractive. Let's say there is, there is a belief that men don't look at me or I don't invite men in my space, right? So there is a root cause of that belief um, because this is not true. So there is a lie that someone has been telling themselves 
over and over and over again. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the way self-fulfilling prophecy works is what we think, we start feeling. And based on how we feel, we start behaving. And everybody around us starts picking up on that vibration. And it comes back to us proving and reinforcing (laughs) what we think. So it all starts with the thought, always. Once we dig deep with the client to see what is that thought is because often they don't see it because it just plays on the autopilot all the time so once we actually are able to dig out that thought my job as a therapist is to offer an alternative thought which Mm -hmm. might necessarily feel true because it's unfamiliar However, if you've been lying to yourself all these years, you might as well tell yourself a better lie. Start telling yourself a better lie. And once you start repeating this lie, even if you don't feel this way yet, you start feeling differently. You start thinking differently. You start feeling differently. You start behaving differently. And then it comes back to you as a completely new life experience. So this is how this loop works. So this is positive reinforcement then. Mm -hmm. So as far as I understand then in RTT methods, there is this positive reinforcement. And in addition, having this opportunity to dive deep into the scenes of the past and make this breakthrough connection on what memory exactly drove your specific belief, right? Mm -hmm. So the question now is, what if you just don't remember those things. And I mean, granted, it depends a lot on the therapist and how well they're able to put you in this state that your mind is relaxed and uh, more capable of retrieving certain memories. But uh, just speaking from my experience, because you mentioned this session and I didn't feel anything. And yes, it was suggested for us to go back into the mind and recover certain experiences or memories that would be associated with our problem. Now, I was there sitting and I was like, well... I have no idea. Maybe, I, well, this is the first memory that comes to mind. Let me try to connect it somehow. But mm-hmm. um, how does it, does it work with all the people? Is it easy to retrieve those memories or not? I would say that everybody can be hypnotized, first of all. It's mm. uh, except for people who are dragged into a session. Everybody who wants to be hypnotized. So if someone is pushing their partner or their child or their parents to you go get hypnotized because I want you to, it's not going to (laughs) work. Whoever comes to the therapist has to be committed to change and has to. So you actually take responsibility for your own personal change. It's not like it's a magical pill. Just like with with any tool. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is one method or one tool that can heal you on the one from the one session forever. So definitely you have to want to change. You have to want to do it. And then some people have a more rigid mind or more controlled mind. In these cases, what I suggest is I would send someone home with a recording that I make for them to relax and get used to what it feels like to relax your mind for a few weeks. And then they come back and we would try to do a session again. In terms of back to your question about what happens if the scene doesn't come up, 
it does happen. Sometimes people see darkness and they're just, there's, it's blackness. So what happens is I encourage them to stay in that blackness and see what feelings come up in the blackness. Sometimes what happens to people is they can remember the feeling of being in the womb when something was happening when their mother was pregnant. And that could also be um, an experience that they can't remember, but their body remembers, their mind remembers, and it brings that up for a reason. And sometimes people just start crying by being in the darkness and feeling alone, feeling abandoned. The most important thing I want to bring out during the sessions is the feeling. It's not the memory that's important. It's the feeling. What do you feel while being in that experience? There are a number of methods. If we can't regress someone to a particular memory related to a particular issue, for example, a lot of people who have eating disorder issues, it often comes up from that age, like early, early age of how does your mom feed you when you cry? Is there, you know, an immediate impulse to put something in your mouth just so you stop crying, right? So some memories you just can't remember, but the feeling can come up. So in some cases, when my client can't remember a specific memory, what we can do is just go to your inner child in the room where you lived. So there's, there is one of the tools we're using called child in the room. So you just remember the place where you lived, your room, and you walk into a room, you open the door and you see that child um, sitting on the bed and you come and sit next to them and look into their eyes and start talking to them and asking them questions. How do you feel? Are you happy? If you're not happy, why you're not happy? And it's quite easy for most people who want to do the work and go into that state to connect with with that child. It's not a specific memory. And from there, memories start coming up. From that place, that child can remember, okay, I'm not happy because I was um, forced to eat. Let's say if we're talking about eating disorders, right? Because in some families, you're forced to eat or there are certain emotional eating patterns that start so early on. Interesting. What brought you to this journey? I know you mentioned that you've tried multiple things before you came to hypnotherapy. Was it driven by your desire to actually, you know, solve some complexes or psychological challenges that you had before? Or was there any other driver? Anyone who goes into healing as a, as a healer starts on their own healing journey. <laughs> and I'm sure you, you know that as well. I saw that you are embarking on an exciting journey as a coach as well. And this is how it also started for me. It all started with a super critical mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I had a pretty, pretty good childhood overall, but emotionally there was, there was a lot of criticism, a lot of comparisons and I have to say that I see it as a blessing now. I'm, I didn't only uh, come to the point of forgiveness towards my mom. I'm actually grateful. I think I've transcended it because, and that's the whole journey of seeing that exactly because I've experienced all that pain and suffering as a child, as a teenager, it brought me to do all this work and now be able to see and feel what others are going through and help them to go through 
similar experiences because I had a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of fighting with my mom <laughs> with um, and with my dad too, and blaming them for um, some of the issues that I had to go through and uh, mostly low self-esteem, confidence issues, feeling of not good enoughness, constant comparison of myself to other women. Um, all the package. <laughs> all the package, yes. But, you know, there's, we all come with a package. That's the thing. There is nobody, nobody is perfect. And um, I think our natural instinct is to start blaming. And that's normal. It's, a, it's the first stage to start, start blaming, be angry, um, resentful. A lot of people stop any communication with their family. And I had that period. I had to put strong boundaries while I was doing the work. But then... Oh, what happened is the more I started doing this, the more I started realizing that these triggers are my treasures. If I, if I go right into the eye of the storm and really sit with that discomfort and that pain and start seeing that actually she has a lot of unhealed trauma and that I feel compassionate <laughs> now mm -hmm. towards that. It's not her who was doing this to me. She was a 21 year old, old child when she had me. She didn't yep. know how to love me differently. And I'm not yeah. saying love me better. She didn't know how to love me differently because that's the only type of love that she knew how to give me. That's super inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I like how you mentioned that no one is perfect and it's unrealistic to believe that it is possible to really solve all of your problems and become, you know, somewhere there perfect and uh, not needing to do anything else. Life is an ongoing and continuous journey. And all the traumas that happen to us normally lead us to more discoveries, to deeper work, to uh, really realizing your full potential. So it's, it's really inspirational to see that you are doing this precisely. As we are moving towards the end, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? What I would say to anybody who is on the healing journey is to be compassionate towards themselves. I personally put a lot of pressure on myself exactly when I was telling you that I was trying it all because I was like, I want to get rid of this suffering. And once you embark on this journey, there is no way back. Once you become aware and you see, start seeing things, it becomes almost, I don't want to say it, it's a good addiction, right? But it's peeling the layers is a never ending process. So, but what I do want to say is that if something is causing you emotional suffering or discomfort, take the time to investigate it in, um, instead of numbing it or ignoring it. Because as I said, there's a lot of treasures in that suffering, in that discomfort. And I don't know who said it, but you might have heard this um, saying that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. A lot of our suffering comes from our thoughts. 95% of our suffering comes from our thoughts because... That's very true. What is pain, right? Like, yeah, if you're giving birth to someone or cut your finger, that's one type of pain. But if we look at where all of our suffering comes from, it comes from the meaning we attach to things. So exactly. there is, there's so many offerings now and ways and so many healers that offer different things. So 
my message is to listen to your intuition and start experimenting. I really invite everybody who is listening to this podcast to to keep going. And sometimes it feels lonely. It feels like nothing is changing and shifting. But when you look back and see how far you've come after you do all this work, it's always worth it. And people around you start changing too. Like now looking at how my parents are changing, how they started treating me differently, how they talk to me. It's all because of the the work that I've been doing, because when I wanted them to change and treat me differently and was needy about it and was fighting with them about it, nothing was happening. But when I relaxed and surrendered and just focused on my own journey, it's energy. They can feel it. Yeah, I'm sure that everybody who listens to this podcast is on the journey. <laughs> so yeah, keep going and see what um, modalities resonate with you and try it because, you know, one day you'll look back and you'll be so grateful that you did. Thank you so much, Elena. And I will put the information about you to the show description so that whoever is interested can find further details about hypnotherapy and RTT method in particular. Thank you so much for joining. It was such an amazing and interesting conversation. All the best. Thank yeah, it you. It was a pleasure as well. 